0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So, once again, no smoking in this theater. I mean, this is also a class movie. <laughs> in like a yeah. really weird, real way. I so. don't think it compromises on work. No, it's, it's meat for that. Meat. Yeah. Sure. Uh, we Thank should. You. I don't know. We'll talk about it when we're actually talking about it. Um, it sounds like we're talking. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to Trilove, a
1: literal round table podcast about movies we saw and people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. podcast. You can follow, You can find them on Twitter Keep at Trilon Cinema. My name is Jason Daphnis. You can find me at Nintendoofus on Twitter.
0: I'm Harry Mack, and you can find I don't know why I said my last name, you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. I'm
2: Cody. I just swallowed a big gulp of donut
0: because Jason <laughs> started the intro. A big gulp of donut? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Explain your semantics Love to gulp down those there. donuts.
2: Nah, I don't want to talk about it. Um, That's fine. If what we ever do a on? live recording, uh, I will show everybody how I gulp the donut. <laughs> and making uh, a so look that. forward to that. <laughs> uh, you can find more content like this uh, on my Twitter, at Cody underscore BH.
1: Thank you for being with us, Cody. Your sure guest me. this time. I'm, I'm going to pull that on next time that Aaron's on the podcast. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, Aaron. So glad Special you could make
2: guest it.
0: Aaron Grossman. Well, oh, I drove over here with you. Uh, I live with you. I'm your roommate. It's pretty spot on. Yeah. Is he here? <laughs> yeah. D- despite what it sounds like, Aaron could not join us today. He's baking cookies with his fiance and family, which is the sweetest thing. They promised to bring me back some, or at least he has. I think she's sticking around.
1: Anyway, Diana, please join us on the pod. We'd love to have you. <laughs> please do. Uh, this will likely be. Our first episode of the new year. So, oh, wow. happy new year, everybody. Um, Feliz Navidad. Is that?
0: Nope. It's not. I just wanted to say it. It's Christmas time <laughs> right now when we're recording. <laughs> Should and we just been right. Reset? All right. right.
1: Today we're going to be talking about the 1940 Ernst Lubitsch film, The Shop Around the Corner. Uh, played ceremonially at the trial on every Christmas. Uh, I think all of us are out. For that, so we watched it at home, and we're going to be talking about it as sort of a cap,
2: I believe, to our Lubitsch short run. I don't know if there are any more that are. I
0: believe this is it. Yep.
2: Uh, so, and um, we all watched it on the Criterion channel. Is that correct, uh, Criterion? If you're listening to this. Uh, Jonathan Criterion, listen up. Uh, open your ears. The subtitles were doing really weird things uh, during this movie. Um, Did they have like the HTML? Like the yeah, HTML formatting H3. would sometimes come in. Like if they were trying to emphasize I a think word, it was, in it was
0: whatever they used italics. There yeah. were uh, oh, like the bracket I. Yeah, I'm pretty mm, sure yeah, that that's they bracket yeah. I.
2: Bracket slash
0: I. Yeah. If you're, you're italics guy, looking at that. Have um, you guys ever written subtitles? No, I haven't. No, I was, applied for a job once to do that, but I don't think there's I got a, it.
1: I think there's a like one of the leading in the nation is Caption Max, and they're down in South Minneapolis. Yeah, I that's drive where by I applied. Dave, two and from work, um, I did too. I think to that same spot. Found out that I didn't really want it because it seems like grueling yeah. work that's
0: really hard to get then right. They, I think like on the application, I don't want to let's merge Caption, Caption Max, but we're talking about shop around the corner. You know, yeah. all private enterprises. It's about labor. Yeah, immoral. Um, <laughs> But I think that in the job application they said something like, "Is it wasn't it like uh, they they paid like half a cent a word or something for yeah. subtitles?" It wasn't good pay. Yeah, it was what I wanted at the time to be back S- here. Same. Yeah, um, I was here, but I also wanted to, you know, stay here and be able to survive.
1: I wanted to live. I just wanted to live. Um, but back in my pirating days, uh, are um yesterday. <laughs>
0: That's I, good.
1: When I would, if there were no subtitles available, like subtitle files you could attach to a pirated file, I would, like, try to write them myself. Oh. And I got, like, through maybe a couple episodes of, what was it? What show was I watching? Anyway, but it is really hard to get those right, like, to put in the right uh, formatting and, like, the right timestamps and everything. So I empathize with people who don't get captions quite right. But when it's, like, (laughs) like, if Netflix showed up with some really shitty subtitles, they would be like, fuck y'all, like. You, you are one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world right now. You can get captions right, if, or, at least for accessibility's sake, if not for, like, my pedantry.
0: That's an interesting point, though. I never thought about everything that goes into subtitle crafting, it might the be, way you have to follow an audio track. Yeah, along, you know? it
1: might be easier now because of, like, auto-transcription, <clears throat> and you might need to just go, sure. like, clear things up. Like, YouTube is apparently pretty good about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then you get things that slip through the cracks, like, chop around the corner.
0: Uh, are you familiar with, like, the really early years of fan-subbing, like, anime back in, like, the early 90s? Have you seen any screen caps of, like, because, you know, this was before, uh, anime was shipped overseas, um, by companies, and so a lot of the, the anime that people were watching back then was literally dubbed by Japanese speakers in America, or, uh, sort of aspirational Japanese speakers. And they were, like, speakers. college students, Yeah, right, right uh... And some of the dubbing is really funny because, like, they, they'll they literally, like, write into the subtitles in this thing that you're watching that's ostensibly an, an actual product. They'll be like, I don't know what the fuck she's saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, it'll just say that when, when this person's talking. Like, right over the subtitle. It's, yeah, it's really funny. There's a bunch of really funny examples of that. Isn't
1: there some... Just one more piece of this tangent. Isn't there some, like, pretty well-known anime that never, like, properly got... Um, translated when it came to the West, so they just like completely rewrote the script based on what they were seeing rather than what the plot was supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I believe like a, the really English version example. of
1: it. I forget what it's called. It's I about robots it or, some, or demons or something. It's like kind Akira? of a cartoony.
0: I don't think it's Akira. I wonder what Akira is really about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's, that's that city's really... actually called Neo Minneapolis <laughs> in the Japanese version. <laughs> 2019. There's a cra- crater <laughs> over
1: Egan. <laughs> Good. Thank you for joining us uh, for Little, or not Little Shop Around the Corner. Little Shop, it, like, five the Times. <laughs> uh, the Shop Around the Corner, Jimmy Stewart, and, um, and Margaret, Margaret Sullivan, Sullivan uh, as the lead characters who uh, spark up a romance by anonymous mail, um, not realizing that they are uh, so acquainted in real life um, as employees at the same department store matter check and sons matter check and company and
0: company not sons
1: they don't have sons that's important. Not yet. Uh, Maybe. And, probably not ever.
0: <laughs> uh, unless, unless he,
1: Yeah. Yikes. Uh, unless he adopts the boy near the end. Oh, really? Little Rudy Matascheck. Wouldn't that
0: be sweet? Rudy was already seventeen. He would have to get there pretty fast. <laughs> that's <laughs> Otherwise, that's why Maticek is in such a.
2: Is, oh, let me tr- treat you to this feast, and then we'll go over to you my house and do some paperwork. That is his,
0: yeah, that was his implication. It's a very Long Christmas game. thing.
1: It yeah. would be a very Christmas thing to do. Um, and uh, uh Sullivan and Stewart are um played as sort of. Uh, in competition with each other for the good graces of the boss, uh, at the, at the department store. So the main tension there, the dramatic irony is they know they love each other, but their occupation, their position comes between them, more or less. Yeah,
0: they hate each other in real life even though they're falling in love via correspondence. This sounds like a little movie called You've Got Mail. That's because it is. You've Got Mail. Thank you, Cody. Uh, that was a remake of Shop Around the Corner, right? Yeah. Uh, is that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan? It is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah. I think Steve Zahn is in it, too. Really? Shout out really? to Steve Zahn. I haven't seen You've Got Me All in a long time, but uh, a lot of people know that movie, I feel like, that maybe don't know this yeah. one. Is, um,
1: is Steve Zahn the, uh... No,
0: he's like not. The, he's not the Matichek equivalent. No, no,
1: no. The, the Vadas equivalent? I could see No, him. he's,
2: uh, the like the Pirovich equivalent,
1: oh, if anything. Okay. So, like, the funny man on the side yeah. kind of
0: deal. It was great to see, uh... Um, Feel expresser back again. It is, isn't
1: it? And is uh. Anyway, we can we can go on. Um. Uh. So, what is your first opinion of this movie? Like, uh, this was our first everybody's first watch of it. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. As it was with the rest of the Lubitsch films, I really liked it. Um. I talked to Cody last night. I feel like he liked it, but didn't really like it.
2: Sure. That's exactly what you told me. I'm just trying to
1: read back what you sent.
2: Yeah. Um. I can take it from there, Jason. Please. That was me throwing to you pretty explicitly. Yeah, um, I wanted to make it awkward. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, congrats. <laughs> uh, anywho, I I think I did enjoy this movie. I enjoyed the people in it a ton. Um, the the office place uh, and like romantic interplay uh, and dialogue is really good. It's Lubitsch by this point. If you listened to uh, our previous episodes about Lubitsch films that we watched at Trilon, um at the Trialon, we you know that it's you know really sharply written, and that's something that I think all of us generally uh, appreciate. Uh, That's no different here. Um, There are some weird, like, gender uh, and power dynamics at play that took me out of this for uh, decent chunks of the movie, Um, but I think this is... I think obviously way better than you've got mail. However, you've got mail has uh, "Dreams by the Cranberries" on its soundtrack, uh, so that has uh, the edge there by significant margin. Because Shop on the Corner <laughs> well, does this, not have this that This one song.
0: only has uh, "Linger," so yeah. that's, which is like also oh, a good song, but you know, it's a not day-to-day. quite as good, right? Yeah, it's not, yeah, not quite. But um, um, yeah, you, I enjoyed my. Time. You mentioned the uh, power dynamics that took you out of it. Can you speak to those specifically a little bit more? Yeah,
2: um, and this is. Uh, largely similar in You've Got Mail as well. They kind of kept these between the two. And having seen You've Got Mail first, I was interested to go back and see how they played that, if it would be the same, just with the, the nature of these two people falling in love. It is um, obviously, like Jason said, over over mailed correspondence. And um, about halfway through the movie, um, uh, Mr. Kralik, James Stewart's character, finds out the identity of the person he's speaking with, and it is uh, Clara Novak from the shop, he withholds this information and, to put it bluntly, kind of uses it to fuck with her uh, for um, mm-hmm. a good chunk of the time. and um, Especially in the last scene. Yeah, especially in the last scene. Um, like, she gets like mentally and physically ill over being like turned down in such a harsh fashion because she thinks she's been stood up and really it's
0: that was the turn that really got to me about that scene, right? Is that yeah. like like it became clear that she was in like very real, very significant emotional duress and it yeah. was like, Oh wait, this isn't cute. This is pretty shitty yeah. actually <laughs> Yeah.
1: It's played cutesy because he's like he knows what she doesn't but it's it right. kind of reads a little dirty. Yeah.
2: And to reiterate, um, Jason, you mentioned that they were, you know, the, like, they're on, uh, they're, they're co-workers. Uh, they're fighting for the attention of their boss. Uh, I think even more importantly, Kralik works above Novak. Um, th- he's her direct
0: superior. Uh, right. Yeah,
2: superior supervisor, however you want to put it. Um, no matter what level he's at, he ascends uh, a little bit through events in the movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and that dynamic as well is is a, a little icky. Um, not just withholding that information, but the nature of your superior in a workplace, uh, specifically doing something like that, just doesn't um, sit well. But again, these people are great. Uh, Margaret Sullivan and James Stewart um, do, I think, really excellent work here. They uh, have a real chemistry. I think it's yeah. real cute to watch yeah. them. Um, real life chemistry too, which um, we can talk about as well. But I want to hear Ooh. what um, Harry's thoughts on the oh, movie are. Uh,
0: yeah, I liked it. I kept this is a it's a weird sort of. Um, meta approach to thinking about how you feel about a movie i guess but i kept thinking about what it would have been like if this would have been my first Lubitsch film and mm-hmm. how that's a different point. my experience of it was because it wasn't because we had just watched nanachka and um um to be or not to be and uh and how that foregrounded some of the like class themes and some of the social themes that that are through lines throughout Lubitsch's uh career i also read uh jason's good Letterboxd review. Follow Jason on Letterboxd at Nintendivus, right? Um, <laughs> Nintendufus. I always say Nintendovis I don't know why. Nintendivus <laughs> for the rest of us. Um, but, uh, I don't know. And and that that was an interesting way to approach the movie because um, I liked Ninochka and To Be or Not To Be a lot. And I honestly think that this movie is more uneven than those movies mm-hmm. are. Yeah, um, it's, it, I won't cut you off. Go yeah, ahead. no, I'm sorry. Uh... F- like, particularly, I think that the, the sort of B-plot of Mat- Matichek that runs through this movie never actually integrates with the A-plot in any satisfactory way. And that B-plot is also, like, far and away, I think, what we spend the most time with in this movie. Like, this is a, this is a movie that is as much about Maticek as it is about the two leads, mm-hmm. to the point where resolving the movie at the end, re- resolving the romantic plot, felt sort of unearned to me. Because we had spent so much time in Maticek's world and following his arc that I felt like the romance was actually kind of underserved. And that might be a very hot take because I know that this is a very well regarded romantic story. Right. Um, so I guess on the other hand, uh, what is here of the romantic story really works for me. Uh, like Cody said, I, because Margaret Sullivan and James Stewart are so great. Uh, in particular, I think that like there's a really interesting um point at which like i think jimmy stewart's portrayal of this character gives him so much more depth and nuance than i think is even on the page in a really interesting way like i i came away thinking that uh alfred kralik was like a really dynamic really well realized character largely because of the performance that jimmy stewart had Mm -hmm. which is really cool um i thought what do you mean by that what does he bring Oh, I don't know. I just like there's there's a lot of sympathy to Kralik, and there there's like this, um, Jimmy Stewart has, has, does a really good job of portraying the like social climber desperation mm-hmm. at the heart of Kralik's character in a really interesting way to me, where like you you get the sense that he's he's exasperated and he's um, sort of performing this uh, this put together. Uh, Man about town persona that uh, I I felt really worked well for this character, where like he he seems to understand how tenuous his position really is, and he's desperate to hide that from mm-hmm. even himself. Right. Despite
1: being the longest tenured employee at management right. company, having been there nine years, he still has he's, he still feels a little uneasy and, and uncertain, and, like and it he could clearly,
0: drop. He, he deeply chafes at the power dynamic between he and Manichek. It was like he, he had been there so long that he was able to have the personal security to understand how unequal their relationship was and to be frustrated by it. Whereas I think a lot of the more junior employees were still sort of in the honeymoon phase where it was like they were just so happy to have a job. Uh, he, at this, particularly at the beginning of this movie, he has like a really good, like, Tenured employee relationship to Madachek, where, like, the fact that he has a, a long enough running job to have some security makes him understand how, uh, what a raw deal mm-hmm. his working there is. Um, which is, you know, obviously foregrounded by the actual plot of the movie in a really satisfactory way. Um, anyway, that was a lot of rambling, but, no, uh, but uh, that, all that is to say that, that, um, <laughs> Margaret Sullivan and James Stewart are really good in this movie. Um and sort of uplift what I think is kind of a meandering plot, to be honest. Yeah i
1: I agree, and I want to focus on um. So a plot is uh, sensibly uh, Sullivan and Stuart falling for each other without knowing that they're falling for each other, and then b plot is that Matichek suspects uh, Stewart or Kralik uh, as his character's name is uh of fiddling around with his wife behind his back. Fiddling around. Is that not a phrase we're going to use? He's fiddling around with his wife behind his back, is what he suspects. Um, and Maticek once he discovers, he sent a P.I. to investigate. Once he discovers that, um, he, sorry, he preemptively fires Kralik uh, on basis of like his growing... Uh, not right away, which is yeah. really,
0: really cool and interesting.
1: Right. It's seeded near the beginning that he thinks maybe Kralik is... You know, again, fiddling with his wife behind his back. Right. And then it's, uh, like, he combines that with Kralik's growing dissatisfaction with his position and, like, how he's not being listened to despite having been there nine years. That's that great scene where Matashek um, uh, says, uh, you always tell me no to things. You've, you've been with me nine years. You're one of my most trusted voices, but you always tell me no. And then he's like, okay, I'll tell you yes more often. And he asks him a series of leading questions that he has to answer yes yeah. to. Uh, that he plays really well and gets sadder as the the, scene goes on. The
0: deadpan, sort of, like, sarcastic way that he reads, yes, Mr. Matichek, Mm -hmm. like, is really good. The writing's really sharp.
1: So uh, that is sort of leading um, Maticek to, like, a conclusion that, well, if I suspect he's cheating on my uh, he or my wife's cheating on me with him and he's growing, uh, like, less and less satisfied satisfied with his position, I'll get rid of him not in a malicious way he does write him like a good letter of recommendation just like in a sad parting of ways way um but he does that so preemptively before finding out that it wasn't that somebody is cheating on with him uh, with his wife but it's not kralik it's another uh one of one of the workers at the shop Ferench vadas i'm just yeah gonna vadas. Stick that yes, we can just call him dick tremaine <laughs> uh, it works it's an exact one-to-one um <laughs> And uh that is sort of what kicks off the darker B plot of Maticek because he then tries to kill himself in a back room, yeah, before being stopped by the errand boy, incidentally. Peppy,
0: Peppy. <laughs> who's Who a it? fucking hero, dude. He yeah, really Peppy is. is a hero. He's also like the great, like Lubich, puckish, like yeah. C tier character, yeah, who's just he's... on the margins, sort of representing the the themes in the in like a farcical way, kind of in a similar manner to the the original three uh, communists from. You know, I, I got, was about to say, he's yeah. sort
1: of like, in this film where uh, Felix Bressert is sort of like uh, the, the side man, the, the wingman, the, the funny guy, um, this peppy character played by uh, William Tracy, is then, like, he sort of fills that space. Right. Where he's, like, the very quick, very witty, uh, very, like, uh, self-serving.
0: Like a weird funhouse mirror for the movie's plot and Mm -hmm. themes, right? Right,
1: because he is the lowest of the low at Matichek and Company. He's just the errand boy who sent out like three times in the span of ten minutes to go get a bicarbonate of soda for somebody else who's just like having some acid reflex that day. Um, The B-plot that uh, emerges from Matichek uh, is that he is sort of bedridden um, after a fashion, or or, or, sorry, he's hospitalized after his uh, suicide attempt uh Stuart kralik becomes uh manager of the store while he's out uh and but this is all after he's already learned uh, that uh novak is like his mysterious correspondent right uh which it like i don't know like you said i don't know that it naturally like hands those
0: two things right off these two to plots just coincide yeah. in this movie i don't think there there's ever a point where they integrate in a satisfactory do, way do they do you think that the like Maticek's
1: suicide attempt, and his, like, realization that he was wrong, that he acted too quickly, that he didn't think things through before, like, firing uh, Kralik, do you think that that gives him some form of empathy by the end then? Like, is that what's... Is it just, like... Because... We don't see Matichek again, more or less, until he comes back to the shop, and they've made $10,000 in the night, and it's great. And, like, you you people made me money. Excellent. And yeah. then he seems appreciative of They're everybody. They're
0: kind of going for, like, a Christmas carol thing with Matichek. A little bit. And maybe that's just because this is a Christmas movie, and I was, like, led to read it that way. But uh, he, I think you're right in that that's what the movie's going for. Um, But kind of like Nanochka and Ninochka's drawbridge, like we talked about on that episode, I don't think they ever actually get there. Mm. Maybe it's just because I despised Matichek so much that I was unwilling to see that. But, like, even that last... Uh, scene when he's like so gracious and happy. It's like, like you said, it's because they just made him a bunch of money. It's like, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't really know that, that he actually learned anything or even if he did learn anything that I particularly care about what he learned. Yeah,
2: that's ultimately a question I hadn't, uh, Jason, I think you phrased it better, but like the, like these two plots, maybe you could argue the, a common thread that they have is like they are propelled forward by frail, fragile male egos. Oh, uh, yeah and, like, Maticek and Kralik both do some pretty impulsive things based on various insecurities they have, stemming from, obviously, very different places, but I wasn't sure if, like, that, if the movie did those justice. Um, like, uh, Maticek fired Kralik uh, because he thought he was, um, uh, having an affair with his wife, um, and then it turns out it wasn't him, and then he just gets hired back. Meanwhile, Kralik does some, like, pretty not great things uh it, i guess you could argue this is where they intersect too um he gets fired and he doesn't want to meet up with uh who he finds out is is clara um the other the person on the other end of the the envelope so to speak i don't know um and like that that doesn't get fixed like the we that doesn't come back around in like a good uh, like There are no consequences for That's that. That's really yeah. that interesting
0: point. Weird. This movie is sympathetic to male insecurities and exploring where those insecurities come from and even exploring what those insecurities um, make men do to one another and to particularly the people beneath them, either in social hierarchies or in professional hierarchies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not interested in I don't want to say punishing, but portraying those insecurities themselves as something to be overcome or something that are that are weaknesses or um lamentable on the part of the male people themselves Mm. right i i don't think that that i mean matichek obviously arguably has a comeuppance in that he his um selfishness and his uh Greed manifesting in, in the way that he kowtows his empl- or, uh, he reigns over his employees and acts as the dictator of the shop might have something to do with the fact that he's in an unhappy marriage and, uh, and his wife chooses to sleep with one of his employees, which kind of seems like a particular gotcha. It's also interesting, uh, they do a really good job of unpacking Matuchek's psychology in that he thinks Kralik is the, mm-hmm. um, the perpetrator, who is essentially a younger version of him, and, like, they really set that up hardcore. At least yeah. in Maticek's eyes, they aren't actually, but he talks a lot about how he has, like, some some clear, like, Freudian envy of Kralik, where it's like, this guy's young, he's hotter than I am. My wife, he says at one point, there's this heartbreaking line where um, Maticek is like, she didn't want to grow old with me. So, like, he realizes that he's growing old, and that his faculties are sort of, or his, his um impressive austere demeanor is his appeal, him, yeah right and and he's being left with only this shop and so you get the you get the sense again the movie establishes the sense that like the reason why he is such a dictator at this shop is because that is the thing that he can control and like that is how he clings to this status and identity symbol it, uh of his his sort of wealth and all that that represents to him about who he is as a person yeah uh the way that he can maintain that is by being an asshole at his shop essentially um and that backfires on him and he can see that and that's what prompts his um his weird relationship with kralik um yeah i i think i think you hit the nail on the head when you say that
1: uh, the shop is Matichik's way of like the, his last bastion of like dominance of control right. in his life right Um, where he can tell people what to do, where he can like override, where he can buy a bunch of singing cigar boxes and like get mad when people tell him, no, that's a bad idea. And that's proven to be a bad idea. Um, but I think that sets up a really interesting framing of the story and its characters in that they all have to exist within that space. Yes. Right. They all have to like pay obeisance to their boss, of course, but also, acknowledge that it's just a f- fragile masculinity. It's just, like, a manifestation of his fragile masculinity. Uh, and, like, they're, they're working within his personal power structure, which, of course, is influenced by a larger, like, mm-hmm. capitalist power structure that um, that creates divisions between employees and encourages them. Like, there's one scene where um, Bressert's character uh, Pirovich, uh, right after Kralik is fired he gets off the phone with Kralik and says, you know, I'll be there soon. We'll go get a drink or whatever. And, uh, Matichek hears him getting off the phone He's like, I hope you don't mind, Mr. Madachek, that I'm going to go like talk to that I'm going like he's probably feeling pretty down right now. Mm-hmm. Madachek sort of like begrudgingly said, "Well,
0: I can't control what you do off hours." They have to be so deferential to yeah. Madachek. It's and all it's like, Mr. Madachek, Please, exactly. Mr. Madachek, thank you, Mr. Madachek. He was like, "Oh God, burn this fucking store down!" <laughs> all right, so and I think that's none just, more
2: so than from Vadas, right?
0: Right. Like he's oh, uh, which my God. is a good point. Yeah, Vadas is is the <laughs> exemplary per, uh, employee, right? Because yeah. he's such a kiss ass, <laughs> such an obvious like. It's worm. It's
1: fun that you get to sort of mask your suspicion of him as maybe the person with whom Mrs. Maticek is sleeping under the guise of like, he's just a kiss ass. He's just getting more money from the boss, but he's not. He's like fleecing the man's wife. I think that's really smart. It's really good. Because there's one scene where um, Vadis just shows up out of a Rolls Royce wearing these decked out in furs and he's like i'll bet you were where i got these things how are, you, how are you making this much money that's a different type of male ego exactly i uh, mm-hmm. work there and everybody's just like
2: i don't wonder like, like who cares we know um i would maybe give that man a follow on twitter uh if Vadas had one um <laughs> yeah. like they're yeah they're like man you remember that shit at the beginning when like he's uh like nobody wants to talk to this douchebag um <laughs> And he's, like, overhearing things, uh, and, like, he overhears Kralik say, like, oh, uh, or he asks uh, Pepe to get him, um, uh, you know, like, some Tums uh, from the drugstore, and he was like, oh, I may have had a, a little too much whatever food it was, uh, at the... the goose matag- liver. The goose liver, yeah. I think, or, or I think I may have had a little too much goose liver, and then... No,
0: wait a minute, wait a minute. What's wrong with goose uh, liver? Yeah, all that, I that. said was I had a little too much goose <laughs> liver. Yeah, and then Vadis was like,
2: oh, you think, uh, did I, uh, do you think it's, uh, did I hear you say that was, that it was bad? That the Matichex, like, made bad Why food? No, no,
0: no, 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 no. No, one, no, one, no, no. no, 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 no. Wait a minute, no, no, over here. Wait a minute, no, I didn't say anything of the sort. Yeah. Uh, um... Yeah, it's like the secret police in the Natchka, right? That scene yeah. <laughs> really does a great job of establishing the, the nature of, the competitive nature of the sort of false merit- meritocratic system mm-hmm. that, uh, retail and, I guess, capitalism. All service as, large, jobs, yeah. Yeah, has, has rendered on these people and, what it does to them, the way that it makes them competitive and, and sets them against one another, um, by nature of the way it's constructed like you said in your letterbox review <laughs> um yeah uh that was my favorite part of the movie probably is that this is absolutely a class movie um we had talked about the Lubitsch touch in our previous two episodes i i really admire the way that he refuses to ignore or refuses to overlook the material realities the historical realities realities and the social realities of the worlds that he is building the story around. Mm-hmm. In fact, in lieu of overlooking them the way that a lesser romantic comedy might, he feels compelled to foreground them. He feels compelled to make them the uh the meat of the story that he's telling. Um and the the um the engine in which they're they, they're driven, the way that they define his characters and the plot um, this movie f- absolutely foregrounds the tension between um, the workers' higher sort of purpose or higher calling and um, the the sort of lower, almost tragic material realities that they have to face to get by, right? Um, Clara Novak in Alfred Kralik's correspondence via um, letters is all about... Uh, It's, um, Novak writes that she doesn't want to know what he does for a living because that's, that's, um, crass. Mm -hmm. We don't need to tell each other how we make our daily bread. Uh, we, we can be more than that. Uh, And we can, we can talk about these higher things and, and this, Letter correspondence, divorced of material realities, gives us the ability to be these better versions of ourselves, to, to be these people who can be interested in, in these higher notions, in these higher ideas of, of literature and history and art. It's like, it's, it's really cute in a way that like, the first time that you like have a, a, a girlfriend and you just think, wow, she's like so smart and like, we're not, we're not like everybody else, we're just gonna talk about like, Books and movies all the time. It's like okay, used to guys, turn intellectual uh, many times yeah, in this movie. It's, uh, but um But I but there there's a sense in which the movie is deeply sympathetic to that and in which it's it's heartbreaking that um they can't be those people all the time, right? Yeah. Because when they're when they're subjected to the material reality of, of needing to grind in this service industry um mill, basically uh they have to become these smaller people, these competitive, sort of conniving, um frustrated they people. They have to
1: fill that role, right? right? They have to stick to their defined occupation and position uh outside of their pursuit yeah. of romance.
0: Novak has to be this sort of shameless, amoral huckster mm-hmm. who who has to convince people that they buy th- to buy things they don't want. Uh Crowley has to be this um Kiss ass, sort of like permanent underling who has to order everyone else around. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's jobs make them into the these sort of like lower versions of themselves, or not lower versions of themselves, but but it forces it forces them to do things and to see themselves in ways that they don't want to. Mm-hmm. And the movie is really sympathetic to the idea that those people have reach rich interiority they have real interior lives and dreams like everybody else they're just not able to make those manifest because the people who can make those manifests are preventing them from doing so Mm -hmm. right like it's maticek's world he gets to have that idea of himself as the the windfall king the the successful entrepreneur he does it on the backs of these people who aren't allowed to see themselves that way yeah i was about to say it's not only
1: like himself that he gets to prop up and like determine his own perception of himself but he gets to dictate how the employees see each other right he gets to create those those dynamics uh by by by, excuse me by virtue of being their living wage of being of paying their salary he's got uh, a rant where he talks about like um how he's the one who keeps the lights on and, and pays the, uh, you know, electricity and water and also your salaries, sort of. Right. And he encourages right
0: and necessitates the, the competition between them. hmm And sets them against each other. Yeah. What um, I'm saying is that the proletariat don't have anything to lose but their chains. <laughs> rise up. <laughs> essentially is what, uh, um, there's a really good line where, uh, uh, Clara Novak in the storeroom with um, Kralik says to him, um, when I first came to the shop, I was so full of life and enthusiasm. Now I'm nothing. You've taken my personality away. You're a dictator. That's what you are. And it was like, I wanted to, like, underline, highlight you've taken my personality away, <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's, those are the stakes that this movie establishes, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, like, at, after, after hours, these two can write these beautiful letters to one another, where they can fall in love with each other for their minds and their souls. Right. And their dreams. And then, you juxtapose that to the harsh material reality of grinding and, and how they have to be these uh angry, frustrated, competitive hucksters yeah. during their day just to get by.
1: That's the Lubitsch touch.
0: And and yeah, and, and what a and what a sad reality that is, that that, that our that our system for accruing the wealth we need to survive will reduce people from who they can be in the letters to what they are in exactly. reality and that uh that was the heart of my letterbox review uh
1: which was just a one sentence well two i guess phrase about um how commodified labor uh exists only to divide it right. is like it imposes that hierarchy that structure on two people who otherwise would have been like fantastic lovers right like they get along really well fantastic fantastic lovers,
2: lovers. um they uh they clearly have, Please. I was going to insert the phrase fiddling with, but then I thought, I, th- I thought against that. Chris, um,
1: you talk about, you the, said it. Harry mentioned the, um, realities that this movie decides not to ignore that. It like not only, uh, includes them, but like puts a focus on them at times. Um, Hungary joined, uh, the axis powers in 1940. And this movie explicitly yeah. ignores everything to do with world war two. Um, I read. Despite being said in Budapest, despite being said in Budapest, uh, at in 1940, like it's a present day movie for the time. Uh, and wow, y- yeah, I mean, it's not great, but it's g- sort of showing that Lubitsch, like, he picks his stories and decides how to tell them, irrespective of, l- like, for a specific purpose, I guess. Like, his purpose wasn't to confront um, the. Uh, not fact- in this movie, anyway. Right. In it, <laughs> he he would. Uh, yeah he would 2 years later with to be or not to be pretty directly i wonder how one you know impacted the other um but he doesn't just like uh choose not to ignore certain things he chooses to ignore certain things to tell a certain story like this isn't a movie about uh fascism and the axis powers it is a movie about class structure it is a movie about uh the way the things that divide us necessarily the thing the things that can't exist without dividing people um the way that yeah the way that the system sets us against one another exactly i just find that interesting that yeah. he like yeah he does pick his own like selective realities uh for like the purposes of his story i mean i'm sure that That's if you a- watched to be or not to be or Ninachka again uh you would notice things that like real world aspects that are not represented here like I don't know, racism doesn't exist in any of these movies mm. that I've seen yet. It's just a bunch of white people having a good time or having a bad time.
0: Um, uh, that's a that's an important corollary to what I was saying before, right? Because I kind of made it sound like Lubitsch felt that he couldn't help but uh, portray these realities, these social uh, historical realities, material realities, mm-hmm. because they they were extant, and so he had to make them a part of his story. That's not entirely true, right? Because like what he's actually doing is he sets out to tell stories about those things. And so it's not just about feeling compelled to include them. It's about actively including them as a directorial choice or an artistic choice, which is an important
1: point to make. And it was, just as a side note, an explicitly directorial choice because this is based on a play by a Hungarian uh, playwright, I believe, um, that was written some years before, I believe, even World War II started. Uh, So it's not as if, like... He wrote the story about Hungary in 1940 and said, I'm going to shoot this and ignore the Nazis. It was, he was pulling from some source material and decided, if I include commentary on fascism and the rise of Nazi power in uh, Western Europe, I'm going to be necessarily ignoring some of the other messages that I'm doing here. Maybe, maybe that's true, maybe that's not, but it just feels like he did pick and choose what he wanted to see and show in this movie. Right. Which very I think, pointedly. I don't think to a necessarily destructive or terrible end. I, I really still like this movie. Where mm. the movie where the movie doesn't have or where it starts letting go of those convictions about class and uh, the boundaries that it creates, that they create, and specifically with respect to when it's executed through labor, uh, it's just really charming. Like, yeah. It's very sweet. It's very fun. It does get a little weird with the gaslighting that he pulls on Novak later in the movie. Well pretty much the entire last half of the movie those
0: are those are legitimate uh criticisms that do undermine the idea of this movie right which is of course this is an optimistic movie ultimately right like it's it's suggesting that despite the um the harshness of their realities and what those realities force them to do to exist they can still retain the higher truer selves that are inherit to their interiority, right, that they, those people are, do exist, they are real, they are somehow the true selves, despite the the public-facing personas that they are forced mm-hmm. to affect uh, in order to um, exist within their material realities. There's still... the the romance wins out. The, the higher truths about who they are internally win out. Right, and I think that's
1: why we spend so much time... I think that's why plot-wise... Um, Krawlick does play his games from the middle of the movie to the end is like to drive home the fact that he like not out of necessity, he's pursuing this relationship. He's like, he's enjoying his, this is a be- weird way to justify him doing kind of a shitty thing to a woman. Um, but like, I think that it, thematically it fits like this movie did sweep me away. It's just, like I said, it's very sweet. It's very like cozy. It's very Christmas time. Like I said, they played it at the trial at Christmas. Um and I'll probably watch it more Christmases from now. Uh so like the elements of the plot and performances worked on me to make me ignore those things a little bit, which is why I like talking about it because it can like shine a light on them is yeah. what he was saying.
0: <laughs> um well and and also it's sort of uh, structurally, in a, in a craft sense, that, that playfulness is Im- also important to the idea of this, this movie, which is to say that, like, this movie does believe that ultimately your interiority wins out, but, but it's interested in deconstructing that interiority yeah. and sort of poking fun at the idea that that can exist in a vacuum without being affected by or affecting the material reality and the persona that you put into the public. I mean, like, like, that's where all of those jokes come from, where, like, like, both, um Clara Novak and Alfred Krylik, they they make fun of of each other for thinking that this mystery person that they're falling for might not be at all who they think they are and and how absurd or how easily they could be misled where it's like and unfortunately like this is this is another shitty part of this movie but like there are some fat phobia like fat yeah, phobic jokes yeah. about it right like that's one of the big jokes is that that like jimmy stewart's character alfred cry like like tries to freak out clara novak by being like hey what if this guy's fat that would be not, all, not
1: only like what if it's like I met him, you haven't. Yeah. I met him, and you know he's yeah. fat. It's it's like a sign of like healthiness. It's just like yeah. I find it charming. And,
0: but the, the idea there is that like what if this person is not the person you're imagining? Mm-hmm, uh, mm. It just sucks that they had to be fat phobic to make that yeah. point. But yeah. also you know like like the whole the whole plot there is is also represented in the B plot, right? Where like uh, matter check has this sort of idea of who he is and it it comes into conflict with um the realities that he's facing the fact that he's aging the fact that his wife might be um interested in, in younger people um that that uh contradicts his sort of interiority and his idea of who he is so this is it's a movie about um about the The people we think we are and the people we have to be in reality and those things coming into conflict. I mean, that conflict couldn't be more represented than in the A-plot between um, Kralik and Novak, the way that they're so different with one another in reality than they are in their sort of imagined romance space. And how, you know, uh, both of those things can coexist, but not without affecting one another like their the true nature the true nuanced nature of their relationship must necessarily include who they re, who they are or who they have to be along with who they want to be. you know those things can't can't exist in a vacuum. you can't be who you want to be without being who you have to be mm-hmm. <laughs> and in in an yeah. interesting way, even though again, this movie is optimistic about the idea that. You know, a, a more cynical movie would say, you are who you have to be. You you can't be who you want to be. Yeah. This movie holds out hope that you can be who you want to be. You just have to reconcile with who you have to be.
2: <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Thankfully, Sullivan and Stewart are both hot.
0: Uh, so we didn't have right. to deal with any of those mm-hmm. more uh,
2: complicated uh, issues.
0: He's a good-looking, intelligent young man. All, uh, what is you guys' history
1: with Jimmy Stewart? I, like... My mom always loved watching his movies and always thought he was just, you know, the the cutest little doll on the screen. Uh the doll. and and like I watched um uh Mr. Smith goes to Washington as a kid. I watched what is the one that he did with the first one that he did with uh, oh, Man in Shot Liberty Valance. Uh like not all movies where he is like supposed to be the cute uh affable, you know, man boy. Um but once where like he got to show off some acting chops, like why he got to be considered such a great actor. Mm. Uh so like it's ingrained in me to just respond positively to him as an actor. I know that personally he I believe he had some uh bad <laughs> political views we'll say. Yeah. He was a fucking Republican. Um and uh and like later in life really like let that get the better of him. Um It was a cancer, and it's a cancer unto us all. (laughs) Uh, But, like, I still, whenever I see, like, it's just a mark of quality, sort of, just to see that Jimmy Stewart was in it. Mm. Uh, Does he hold that same weight for either of you?
0: I don't have the history with him that you do. Uh Um, I haven't seen a lot of the movies that he's in. I've seen, you know, Rear Window and um, It's a Wonderful Life and uh, a couple of his other movies, but not... Not as many as you have, and I don't have the history with him. Um, I think he's a really good actor. I think that that he's a really good actor and also an idiosyncratic actor in a a way that the greats often are, where somehow he is always just Jimmy Stewart, but that elevates rather than reduces a performance. Kind of like Marlon Brando, where it's like Marlon Brando has only ever played Marlon Brando, but somehow that makes it better as
1: opposed to worse. There's something... Yeah, which imminent is about it, there's
0: it. something weirdly uh, that's the opposite of acting, right? Like, you're supposed to disappear into your mm-hmm. role, but instead, these men like that, or a- actors and actresses like that, can elevate a role by not. Uh, disappearing into it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's true of Jimmy Stewart, where, like, every Jimmy Stewart role has the idiosyncrasies of Jimmy Stewart, where he says, wait a minute, like, 700 times. Yeah. He talks with his hands a bunch. He, like, he does the thing where his eyes get really big and he goes full Jimmy. Uh, that was John <laughs> said that, John Murray, at the try line. Full that Jimmy. reminds me, uh in uh the second Thin Man movie, he's going full oh, yeah, Jimmy. Oh, right, yeah, that's right, that's right. So like that's like baby, baby. I've seen. Yeah. That yeah. Is, that's
2: the earliest thing, I was going to say, it's the earliest thing that I've seen him in. So that was 1936- Um, and then his, I think his earliest, like his first breakout, if we want to say that is Mr. Smith goes to Washington in 39, Mm -hmm. um, this, uh, shop around the corners a year later, uh, Philadelphia stories that same year
1: 1940,
2: man, I I like that movie a lot. Yeah. And then, um, it's just uh, a few movies that I haven't seen. And then he, uh, does service. He does time in the war, um, And it's not until 1946 that he has another project, but that project is It's a Wonderful Life. And that is, (laughs) I think, maybe even before... coming in hot off war to drop one of the, like, biggest holiday movies of all time. Yeah, one of the most famous movies, period, maybe, of all time. Uh, And I think I agree with Harry in that at some point he just becomes the, like, he becomes capital J, Jimmy, capital S, Stuart, and, like, elevates movies by his presence, and it's not him... It's it's not he's trying to fit a
0: character. It's the character fitting him. Maybe. Or the character's fitting him. Some nuance added to it. You yeah. Know? I mean, like, is another good example of, like, just being Jimmy Stewart, but that making the movie better. You gotta so to imagine know? that that role was written specifically oh, with yeah. his face in mind. Yeah. Right? Like,
1: uh, With the,
2: like, the... do 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 With his hair
1: flopping, in his waifish hair flopping in the wind in 1962 or whenever that movie was made. He does
2: have a wide-eyed, uh, you know, 100% Jimmy moment, um... In, does. in uh the one I'm thinking of is when uh it's in the it's in the first act uh-huh. and of what, it's, vertigo? Uh no, sorry, uh Shop around the, the, the corner. Uh he just has this this big uh you know, th- this big conversation with Mr. Matichek, uh about the box, and he was just like, you know, look, people are going to open this box 20 times a day, they're going to get a cigarette each time, and they're going to hear this fucking song every goddamn time. <laughs> they're not, like, this is a bad product, you don't want to do this. Um, and uh, soon after, uh, Clara kind of tries to prove her mettle by pushing one of these boxes onto a customer and her initial go at it is just she falls flat on her face the customer's like oh I don't want that at all and then you see uh uh, our boy Jimmy up on a shelf, and he's turning back. And he's yeah. wide-eyed, maniacal. He's so full of glee
0: that this <laughs> went so poorly. It's such a good shot. It's so out it of is. a different movie. Where like yeah. he turns around and he looks fucking maniacal. <laughs> it's
1: so good. Uh, one last question about Jimmy Stewart. Who is the modern day Jimmy? Oh Stewart? God, who fills that role? That like again, they don't need to disappear into the role for it to be good. They don't. They are attractive, but still goofy, goofy, and like approachable.
2: The first person I think of when it comes to like them literally being the same person, and like I, I'll, just, I'll say Seth Rogen because I you? like not. From I'm like, let him explain that. <laughs> Not from like the, again, specifically for the, he is the same person in each movie. He's obviously not mm. the same caliber performer. He's not on like the same like equatable tier. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we're going, 1940s. This, you know, <laughs> this is
0: brutal <laughs> to Jimmy Stewart. Damn. <laughs> well, like but, he's a Republican. Well, what do you care? um
2: Yeah, I think, and not to say Seth Rogen is necessarily a bad actor. Um, no, I don't know. I think he's fine, I, okay, uh, but, but he, like, he, he'll take on, like, the bare minimum things for his character, still give it the old Seth Rogen spin, and it's usually something fine. Right. I... Wild. I, like, totally shooting from the hip, I feel
1: better now about saying Chris Pratt. Again, I don't think he's oh anywhere God. nearly as good an actor, but he has, like, that attractive persona. You guys he are just bad, bad his... actors. Yeah, uh, name a good actor who is a Jimmy Stewart today. Brad
0: Pitt. Wow. He's not, he's not
1: approachable. It. He's barely funny.
0: I mean, he's a better he's a better analogy than yours
2: is. <laughs> he's a better actor than ours <laughs> He's star. a better actor. I don't think of him as the same person no. in each one though. Oh, no. really?
0: No. I do. He, no, he, 100%. I, don't. I think
1: he I like he doesn't because he's been around so long, it's hard to say that he disappears into roles. Yeah. But there are ones where I like I nearly forget while while I'm watching it that, like, this is Brad Pitt, the same Brad Pitt who is in, you know, Inglorious Basterds, or the same Brad Pitt who was in,
2: uh, whatever. I think he has more uh, range than meet Jimmy Black. Stewart. Again, not to necessarily shit on Jimmy Stewart, one of the best actors, maybe, ever, but, like, I think Brad Pitt has a wider range. Interesting. There. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I would probably agree, based on what Jimmy Stewart I've watched, I think that he's great in whatever he does, but he kind of has three or four ways of playing a character that happen to fit very very well where they are you yeah. would
0: say i would say george clooney but george clooney is just cary grant like so you can't yeah. make that unfortunately unfortunately yeah um i had a
1: few moments in this movie that just maybe like burst out loud laughing alone uh, in yep. my home and i'm hoping that y'all maybe took some notes of moments yep. that happened, you that know that I happened for you i uh, i know you did because it's it's this your second your second well your, we still your, have your to get your last you. name cody's nudies. well is that
2: is that right now Can we right? integrate those?
1: Maybe. Can we start with our favorite parts and then we can get to your noties?
2: Yeah, I sure, like I, your different... Yeah, I've got, I've got some other noties too, but I, I like this thread. I, I uh, you know, we can, we can, <laughs> we can, yeah, we can pull up, you know, uh, you know, Harry shitting on our opinions and, uh, us shitting on Jimmy okay. Stewart, Harry shitting. Seth
0: Rogen and fucking Chris Pratt? All right. Oh yeah, the modern day Jimmy All right. Stewart.
2: All right. All right. <clears throat> Literally the only person to say that here is you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, um, i'm not mad
2: (laughs) my (laughs) that's my that's my secret try love i'm always mad (laughs) we uh
1: we've been talking about this movie as like a long arc and we've been speaking in broader story concerns with like plot points to back them up but it is like in part a movie that's made up of great little moments too Mm -hmm. um one of my favorite earlier moments is when uh it's matichek is asking for jimmy's or uh crawler's honest opinion sorry again j- it's, jimmy. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. jimmy nobody calls him alfred uh so chris, so chris pratt uh he has a line uh he says to seth rogan um <laughs> uh, Mat- Matichak, Matichak is like give me your honest opinion i want to know what you think about this like this music this cigarette music box uh, and he's like, now don't, don't tell me lies. Don't tell me what I want to hear. And then it, pan- it, like, it cuts very quickly to, um, Pirovich w- walking down the <laughs> yeah. stairs or opening the door. And then just the, you hear off screen Maticzek say, now I want your honest opinion. Yeah. And he just pulls a 180 <laughs> and <it's back laughs> out the door. And it happens like three times. He's coming down the stairs or he's coming through a door yeah. or he's just walking in the room. It's so well timed. He has such good, like, that that guy Felix Ressert has such yeah. good physical comedy about him. He's a great physical comedy. Oh comedian. my yeah. god. Uh, so that was one of my favorite parts. Um I actually had the I the full Jimmy moment as one of them yeah. because yeah. like he turns it's around and his eyes are just yep. eight balls in his head. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's a shot, and I think it's pretty well renowned, so it's not like a secret, but it, there's a shot where um right after Jimmy Stewart has taken on the manager position.
2: Alfred Kralik.
1: Right after this man has taken on the management position in the absence of the right, Brad Pitt Manacek, becomes manager. Uh, we Brad
0: Pitt see, was also a bad example, by the way. I was just trying to give a uh, thank you. Basically, balance, it out, balance it out.
1: Uh, that we see for the first time the mailbox where Novak receives her mail, mm. and it's this like beautiful panning shot it's a great that scooches over and the. Uh, Depth of field skips just so quickly mm-hmm. as we like we see her hand popping in uh and it's empty, of course. She just feels around in there, doesn't see anything. And then we see her face, like her eye pop through, and it's just like a beautiful shot. It's sad. It's a little yeah. bit like you know what's happened there that like he didn't send the letter today because he's manager now. Um but it's just like it just looks really good. Um oh, uh, and I wanted to I'm going to do this. Uh where Madachek is outside during Christmas Eve. Uh, it's the same scene where he's like, oh, I wonder how they dip those prices down. So it's not that bad. But it's that same scene where he's looking into the, and he's looking at the cash register and the numbers are going, chick, 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 chick. I'm going to put 420 and 69. Hell yeah. Because then it (laughs) it cuts back to his face and he's just like, "Uh
2: he just starts smiling. (laughs) There was
0: one moment that I thought for sure would be our, our, like, jiff but i can't remember what it is now but that would be a really good one
2: i mean i don't know if we should do the video clip where it's uh everybody wants to get out of for various reasons staying late and helping like reorganize the, the the shop window uh and matichek goes off he gets interrupted a couple times in the scenes uh in the scene by various things which is also really funny uh but his his uh his big moment is um or his big rant is you know once a year i ask Six of you, ladies and gentlemen, to stay late and help, you know, organize a window. But you, all you want to do is
0: stand around, tell jokes, talking about movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a gigantic mood. Uh, I loved that. Um, uh,
2: I couldn't work for Manitrack. <laughs> no.
1: Uh, because that, that's all I do. I mean, all of these have potential to be collateral to yeah. go with yeah. our episode.
2: Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, there's – I think it's when – oh, yeah. Uh, Pirovich and Kralik are talking and Kralik was uh, – like they're talking about money and they're talking about Kralik like, looking to move into a new place and they're talking about how many rooms uh, mm. he needs and is, you know. Uh, kind of cutting him off and saying, oh, you can do that in this room. Like, you can uh, do all this. And then Kralik's like, well, what if I want to entertain? And then Pirovich is like, hey, uh, entertain? What are you, an ambassador?
0: Yeah, <laughs> a really good dad sort of, like, takedown joke. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, what other ones were there? Um, when uh, after... Oh, um,
0: the, uh, when
2: Kralik and, and uh, Pirovich are looking in on, on Novak uh, in the store and she's eating... Like a donut or something, uh, and then, just, pure of it goes, Kralik, beat, beat, she's dunking. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's so. And he's like, "Well, why shouldn't she dunk?" Yeah. It was so funny. Yeah. Like that was such. A, I wanted Dude, to watch so like ten minutes of them just like commenting on what she's doing and inside you don't the see, restaurant. What I love
1: about the scene is it never cuts, so you don't see her. You're yeah. just listening to their yeah. descriptions of what she's right. doing. Like Max
0: reading their a book. No. She's got a. It looks like she has got some I'm coffee. Co- <laughs> I think it's like a scone or something. She's got like a scone. She's oh oh she's cra- she's dunking she's dunking she's dunking <laughs> Why well, we'll shouldn't, shouldn't walk, she not? Walk, walk. Oh, that's wrong, you know? uh, uh, Harry, okay. do you have any? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, um, my favorite parts of this movie were probably all the instances in which Clara Novak completely gets Kralik's ass. Like, <laughs> holy shit, does she light that dude up? Yeah. Like, in like four different scenes, she just like has these, these burns that are just devastating. And he, I mean, he's like, he's like, there's a really funny part where, like, he's kind of, like, into it. Like, he's a little turned on by the fact that she's just completely just dis- demolishing him. Um, which I really enjoyed and thought was hilarious. Um, there's a, there's a really funny scene right after, uh, maybe not the the most sensitive, but right after, um, Matachak tries to, uh, kill himself, and Peppy is, has stepped in, in a farcical way as his, like, caregiver, his care, like, uh, watchdog and um he's talking to the doctor and the doctor's like well it seems or the peppy's like it seems to me like a classic nervous breakdown what do you think happened and then the uh, the doctor is like well i he gives this long explanation including like technical uh medical jargon where he's like i think his hip his hypothalamus is enlarged and that's causing this pressure to build up and then there's this beat and peppy goes is that more expensive than a nervous break <laughs> I thought was hilarious, yeah. and also like weirdly thematically resonant uh, yeah. with the yeah. um, Peppy has a lot of those moments. peppy has like, got some great oh, moments. Man. Yeah, when
2: he comes back into the shop, uh, one of the greatest flexes I think in the history of this galaxy.
1: When he gets on the phone with Mrs. Madcheck.
2: Yeah. Well, he, so he gets on the phone and he, uh, <clears throat> I, I, he, I think he he calls somebody right, and he's uh like asked to them to send over you know four or five you know potential. Aaron boy so he can look him over uh and I, I think it's maybe in between calls where he's like oh yeah uh like we're getting a new Aaron boy i'm a clerk and that am which goes like, oh no that's awful who would do such a thing <laughs> um and then mrs Mat- Maticek calls and he just tells her off he right then and there her.
1: i'm gonna have to clip that one too because that's a really it's so good it's very fun i mean like questionable in terms of how he's approaching the situation but it is very yeah. like Poetic justice, right? Yeah, this whole but, movie,
0: right? Especially because, like, we're like burning with the the fires of the proletarian <laughs> uprising, <by laughs> then. so it's like, hell yeah, tell yeah. her, yeah, you yeah. Then, get your own goddamn <laughs> soda bicarbonate from now on.
2: And Pepe finishes it, and he's like, "Well, that got her." Draw your own conclusions. Yeah,
0: like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah dude, after he, is, he essentially he's tells them a... all that she had been sleeping with. Yeah. Uh, he's such a good character. God, uh, early yeah. on, um, with um, shit. What's the... Uh, the Dick Tremaine name, Vadis. Vadis. is talking about how he, like, it's, like, the first scene or something. He had, like, a... I had a, a most uh, precipitous night out with a young woman. And then, uh, like, one of, the, one of the female clerks is just like, we don't want to know the poor girl's name. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> f- fuck yeah, like, get him. I and it also, like, it just... A lot of the squabbling in this is so true to, like, working... At a, a job like that, where like all of your coworkers are just wise guys who just nail you whenever you, they like <laughs> get the chance, and it's like it's that was really fun and really endearing to me. Um, at one point, uh, Jimmy Stewart's, or I, th- I think, uh, Clara says to Alfred, Are you deliberately trying to spoil my evening? And it like immediately recalled Phantom Thread to me in a really funny way. <laughs> um,
2: if we're, uh, sorry, real quick things that this movie reminded us of, mm-hmm. um, there is the this whole like through-line where, uh, you know, uh, Kralik's fucking with her, uh, you know, trying to, now that he's, like, thoroughly demolished her emotions, he's gonna try (laughs) and get a little more out of this, because Clara's gonna give her secret admirer, a Christmas present, and she's gonna get him one of these cigarette <laughs> boxes, and then, uh, Kralik's like, wah, 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 why don't you, uh, why don't you get him a nice wallet? Yeah, Nothing mother- more romantic than a wallet. The
0: motherfucker just wants one of the new wallets. Yeah. I hate it for
2: the the imported pigskins. And he's, he's selling her on this wallet, and I haven't seen a lot of Mad Men, but it was like the most Don Draper shit, where it's like, hey, you, you open this up, and mm. you, you, he's got the letter on one side, and a picture of you on the other side. Yeah. And it's not a wallet, it's a time machine. <laughs> and that and that's all the music he needs. And I... Uh, that was a moment I laughed. I was like, this... It was really this good. Man. And also,
0: I wanted a wallet. I was that like, was, looking like, yeah. and I was Holy like, shit. Like, that's so funny. And then right.
1: Pirovich, like, mirrors that almost yeah. directly because oh, okay. he knows what's going and on. And
0: then he sells Novik on the wallet also and finally gets her to come around on it. And then he storms... It. He, like, he like charges over really excited into um, Kralik's <laughs> office. And he opens the door and he goes, Kralik, you get the wallet. <laughs> And <laughs> scene. Like, Your boys have got you. This is
1: so good. Uh, yeah, I I like I like this movie a lot. Yeah, me like too. Yeah. Um, oh, the very ending. Uh, with the earlier, it's seated when they meet in the diner, and he knows what's going on. She doesn't yet. Uh, and they go, get on the subject of whether or not uh, he is bowlegged. And he's like, I've never been to a tailor in my life. I'm yeah. not
0: bowlegged. Like I, it, told her that he was bowlegged. Yeah.
1: I could, I could show you right now. If we go out in the street, I'll pull up my, uh, pull up my pants so I can show you. I'm not boat legged. And then the very end of the movie, once, like, the whole ruse is dropped, um, he, he like, she asks him to do it again just to, like, to prove. To up his trousers. And that's just, like, that, I was, thought that, that was, was a was...
0: sexual innuendo, but he literally does it. He literally pulls he, up his trousers. Yeah, he literally pulls up his trousers and it's like. Then he pulls down his trousers. Jesus. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna end. No, no, please. Uh, it was important.
1: It was important to my watching because like that is he's like once and for all getting to show his true like himself not his not his manager self not his clerk self like
0: but also that's the that's the intersection between who we have Mm -hmm. to be and and who we want to be right is that like it is important to her that he's not bow-legged even though they had all of these high ideals about uh art and literature and and loving each other for their minds um. Then the movie just fucking ends. Yeah. The movie is just like we're done. Uh, it <laughs> it's was 1940, like for you. extremely not 1940 yeah. movie, but it was extremely we have bonds jarring to sell me. or something. I was I was fully <laughs> expecting the like very 2009 sensibility of like, well, we have to have three more scenes where we know exactly what happens. So I guess I kind of appreciate it, but it was really jarring that like, yeah, it's literally like the last line of the movie. Mm-hmm. Novak finds out that that jimmy stewart uh kralik was the um her secret admirer essentially and and she goes psychologically uh, again like they say the word psychologically like six times in this 1940 movie it's pretty rad um psychologically i'm confused but personally which also very funny like psychological (laughs) is separate from personal but personally i'm not upset at all yeah. and then she goes I he says something then the um pulling up your trousers thing happens yeah, and that's a kiss and that's it but like she learns who Kralik is like 15 seconds before the end of this movie it's fucking wild it is dramatic irony
1: stretched to yeah, 99 minutes because
0: you've been waiting for it since like 20 minutes into the movie for them to figure out so I really wish they would have known yeah. Earlier. I yeah. would I would have loved nice. to have seen them interact on that level. But the squabbling is the real point of this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Uh yep. how did you guys feel sorry, I I keep thinking of things I want to talk about. How did you feel about the whole thing where Novak admits that she could have fallen for Kralik? or like that, that she he could have swept her off her feet I think, in the storeroom? I think I, that's
1: just I mean it, it subverts a little bit of like what we thought the point of what I thought the point of the movie was up to that point. I think it was just, like, icing on the cake sort of thing. Just, like, one... La- before we reveal, before we let go of all this tension that's in this scene, we're going to have one more sting, like, that they could have been, but for what they it are, was they could have be been that, right? something yeah. together. Yeah, yeah,
0: dramatic irony. Well, and also, like, the idea that, like, he is the, the sort of physical, real ideal, mm-hmm. even, but...
1: Like, when she was picturing her anonymous friend, she... Like probably inherently yeah. pictured Jimmy Stewart, right, or right. Alfred? Crawler, I always as the am. case may be, uh, right. but uh, <laughs> the case is I, I was jerked awake last night to the image of. Uh... <laughs>
0: this is this is an inside joke that happened before the. Okay, pod. so should... this isn't
2: that weird. We can uh, end on this. No, never, uh, we no, we have to I... end on Cody's nodi. <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah, here's my first noti. um Jason, is I a was. Dick. <laughs> jason is an idiot uh i uh woke up in the middle of a an, an rem cycle i think last night that's got to be the only explanation because i know all about rem cycles i don't uh <laughs> um but i yeah i woke up like i was uh pulled awake i used the term jerked away uh in the middle of a dream and that's why i was groggy uh and uh jason really latched onto the word jerk as you listener might imagine he would um <laughs> they know me intimately oh god Um, My people, Uh, are we ready for (coughs) Cody's Cody's Noties? Oh my God. New Year, same Noties. Um, (laughs) Different Noties for this movie. Um, I'm trying to get into the habit of the movies we watch uh, for this podcast and just movies I watch uh, for other non-podcast purposes, uh, fun purposes. Wait, what? Just kidding. (laughs) This is fun. Um, (laughs) Excuse me? um, uh is
0: cody's sweating right now he's got a gun to his head
2: <laughs> <laughs> i love Tri love and all it represents um that's right, that's it. Right, Cody. <laughs> he's got a gun um margaret sullivan was a name i had not heard before watching this movie i hadn't seen her in anything um so i wanted to, to look into her life uh her career a little bit more um she's not she didn't frequent the screen. I think she was more well-known uh, as a stage actress, and she preferred that. Um, she only had, a, I think, comparatively uh, a handful of films that she was in. But she has history with uh, James Stewart, um, or Jimmy, if you're in his inner circle, as we've done all podcasts. If you're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yes. I, I think I've called him James Stewart up until like this pod, and then with the surrounding... It's all, all coming crumbling down, <laughs> down yeah. now. So, uh, so her and Jimmy, they met um, these notes are chicken scratched uh it was like a summer acting troupe basically uh is my understanding called the university players where they met um and then Stewart also knew her um uh sullivan's first husband henry fonda um and they they got along well enough and there were some early they, they are actually in a few movies together before shop around the corner and they kind of um along the way campaigned for one another uh and like pushed for, like, the other to be opposite them in the movie. They got along really well. Um, Her, she had some disdain for Hollywood, um, and she was also just short-tempered in general. Um, Hell yeah. So there were some outbursts that came up on set, uh, specifically of Shopper on the Corner, and Stuart's presence helped kind of soothe that a little bit. He was able to, to... you know um engage with her in a way that maybe like the other casting crew couldn't um and then they got through that and then she also pushed him uh i think in some ways uh to she had coached him actually in, in previous projects uh maybe this one too but to like cuz he he wasn't very confident in his abilities um that whole like stuart stick you know like the the stammering and like bah, the, bah. yeah exactly um like she like Helped work with him with like to to be more confident in that, and a lot of people credit her with him having like the superstar success that Holy
1: he shit. has had behind every man. Yeah. I was just
0: gonna say that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really really yeah. true. Yeah. yeah,
2: there's an anecdote. I don't know how much uh, truth there is to it, but that first scene with the trousers actually when they're at the diner, uh, Stuart just couldn't get it. It was like forty some tries, uh, and he just like could not nail it, and he was like. Uh, you know, I, I, I he had like some like weird insecurities about his skinny legs or something like that. Um, Stuart's skinny legs. Uh, I don't, I don't soon want to, the to, the to show my shop. skinny
0: legs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, was it was more or, Seinfeld. than or, or, <laughs> My skinny legs, yeah, or find,
2: find somebody else with, not skinny legs. He basically told him to Just find somebody it, else. No for that shot. I, don't th- show, I don't want
0: to. I don't want to have to show my, my legs <laughs> on camera. <laughs> I wasn't part of the deal. Is that why that, he has like, a three, like three foot long
1: socks in
2: this movie? <laughs> <laughs> like you only see his bare knees. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stewart's, uh, you know, showing some skin. He didn't want to do that. <laughs> Uh, and then it, he was like, you know, let's call it a night or, or whatever. And, you know, let's get somebody else. You know, they can show their legs. And then Sullivan was Sullivan was like, well, I guess, uh, you know, I'm not going to be in this movie. And so they like got back out. Wait, Damn. What?
1: She staked her presence in the movie on showing yeah, Jimmy dude. Stewart's skinny legs.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Queen you want show moon. some legs. <laughs> Pretty. Run out, <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> uh, and also, all of the all of the birds that were uh, Clara Novak's were unscripted, and she just said them to Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> the man. And the cameras were just running
2: instantly. <laughs> right. Um, there were since they did have those private like coaching sessions together. There were like really flimsy rumors that specifically he had romantic feelings towards her. Um, there who no- wouldn't? No- uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> don't <she's- laughs> go any on main Um, but those, uh, I think, to this day remain unfounded uh it's Mm. just you know the you know all-time 1940s gossip um the end of her life uh is not like super happy um but i want to do it some justice she had uh, a number of marriages uh i think at least four um I only did really mild research leading up to this apologies for that but there was um some uh, issues with custody of her children from one of her marriages and they had decided to live permanently with their their father you know her uh you know the spouse that she was separating from at the time and then she just kind of broke down uh, after that mm-hmm. there were a few um incidents of her you know um kind of growing uh like more uh closed off uh, and she did spend some time at, uh, a met one, maybe more mental clinics just to like, kind of get herself back on track. Um, mm. so she was dealing with, um, some, uh, some version of depression, uh, and just general, uh, as it said, mental frailty, uh, towards the end, she also experienced some hearing loss, uh, towards the end of her life in 1960. Uh, it was ruled accidental, but it was an overdose of barbiturates that led to her death at 50. Oh, that's um, terrible. Yeah. She didn't... Uh, you know, again, we, we said she didn't frequent uh, like the, the big screen. Um, she wasn't in a lot of movies. She had a few TV appearances near the end, uh, but it was like five or six years um, before her death where she just wasn't in anything and just kind of living in hmm. in, in solitude with herself and, and her family.
0: She's uh, remarkable in this. Yeah, this, yeah, this she's is not great. a bad way to remember her. Yeah.
2: Um, I think this is the thing she's most remembered her uh, that she's most remembered for, but I would be like very interested in finding other projects that she's a part of
0: because she's great. And I'm, I'm willing to... <clears throat> Give her a uh, single credit for Jimmy Stewart's career. I'm okay yeah, with that. Handedly made Jimmy Stewart the man he is. <laughs> Imagine what he would have been without her. Just a mediocre movie. Republican who's afraid to show just his just legs.
1: Skinny white Republican.
2: Uh, I Can we close out? Yeah, I think so. Cool.
1: Uh, thank you very much for listening to Try Love. This has been our episode on The Shop Around the Corner. Uh, watch some Lubitsch films if you haven't already. Um, they're real good. Uh, it's a good time of year, even now, to do it. Um, Christmas will have passed by the time this episode comes out, but it's uh, probably there's still snow on the ground. Uh, and I would implore you to watch any of them. They're all they're all good stuff. Well, any of the ones we've seen, anyway, I can recommend. Um, uh, my name is Jason. You can find us, our podcast, uh, Try Love Podcast, on Twitter. You can find the Trial
2: on Cinema at at Trial on Cinema. You can find me at Nintendoofus. Uh, I'm Cody. I don't have a donut in my mouth this time. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH.
0: And I'm Harry. You can find me on Twitter at Chutakieri.
2: We're in the same room, but we're not in the same planet. I had that
0: one written down to say... <laughs>